Hello, hello. What's going on, listeners? It's Andrew Jakubitz here for the Breakdown NBA podcast uh, presented by TheBreakdownSports.com. Sports gambling you down. Uh, so check that out. Uh, we're here uh, with Calvin and Steven. Phil on the board, editing, taking care of everything behind the scenes for us. Uh, but it's been a great week for NBA basketball, and we're excited to talk about it. Before we dive into that, a couple of plugs here. Uh, shout out the website, www.thebreakdownsports.com. Uh, that is the B-R-K-D-W-N sports.com. New content going up as often as we can put it out. This weekend is a pretty good one for new articles to drop in. Esports is taking over the Twitter right now. You can follow that at the breakdown sports and that's the brkdwn sports uh, so check out that give it a follow a lot of great content being pushed out there and then you know in our tagline we talk about gambling and what better time of the year when the nhl is going on the super bowl is coming up nba is rolling in hot all-star games coming up there but to start gambling and here at the breakdown we have a deal just for you. We joined up with my bookie to offer a 50% bonus when you deposit a minimum of $100. So if you just deposit the minimum, that's 50 extra dollars going in your pocket. Obviously, the more you deposit, the more you get out of that 50%. So it's a 50% bonus. All you have to do when you sign up, enter promo code BREAKDOWN. That's B-R-K-D-W-N, BREAKDOWN, 50% bonus. Don't leave the money on the table. Use the promo code Get your 50% bonus, and then put that on some prop bets for the Super Bowl. Definitely take the over on the national anthem. That's one of my favorites. Uh, all right, so that's all we got for intros. Let's see how everybody else is doing. Steven, how's life? You know, it's been pretty good. Getting in a lot of college basketball, great college basketball weekend, getting in a lot of regular basketball. It's been just a great week of basketball, great trades, all coming down to the trade deadline. But, you know, we're just ready to record again. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Calvin, how are we doing? We're doing pretty good. Um, I actually played basketball today, so I get to play basketball and I get to come back here and talk basketball with you guys. So it doesn't get any better than that, in my opinion. What was the stat line? What'd you put up? Oh, geez. I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. <laughs> I, I pretty much just ran point and kind of let everybody else do their thing. I'm not the biggest guy in the world either. So I just kind of sat back there. If I had an open three, I took it. But uh, we went uh, we went three or four in pickup. So we took one loss. That's okay. Yeah, that's all right. That's pretty good. You know, just a solid role player. That's what you need. And uh, a topic we'll actually get into here. Uh, but let's start this episode out, episode four, uh, with some Unfortunate talks about injury. Uh, the injury bug has really kind of started to strike the NBA uh, as we head into the middle of the season and the last, second half push um, before the All-Star break here. So, you know, a couple questions that I think we should definitely dive into is, you know, how does this shape the playoff landscape uh, with a couple of big pieces going down for a extended period of times? And then what teams, in your opinion, are getting hit the hardest? So, Calvin, we'll start with you. Uh, if you want to answer those couple questions with your thoughts. Oh, man. Um, it was so hard to see Oladipo go down because of just how good he and what, how important he is to that Pacer team. They, I mean, they're, they're riding pretty high. They were, they've been winning a lot of games. And so to see him go down and when I saw him, when I originally saw it, I didn't think too much happened. But I guess I saw it, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you see it happen live and you're like, oh, hey, he'll be fine. And you see it in slow motion. You're like, well, wait a minute. Something could have happened there. Um, but I think he that, that injury, man, that injury really I think shook up the East because now I don't think the Pacers can contend in any way. And now I think it's just up to those two, three teams, uh, Toronto, Milwaukee, and I guess Boston, if they can figure things out. 
Um, but I think that kind of hit the East a little bit. And I think a lot of players were, were really shocked because Oladipo's been working his butt off to become that star for that team. And so um, I think that, that was the one that hit me the hardest. I think it hit the NBA pretty hard too. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, the biggest uh, injury as of late, especially just from an individual player's production standpoint and uh, how that's going to affect the team as a whole. But Steven, uh, before I jump in and give my thoughts, what are you, what have you seen so far in the NBA um, injury-wise and how it's affecting the playoff landscape? Uh, I mean, I think NBAs have kind of had a pretty big impact on the uh, playoff landscape, especially with Indiana. They haven't won a game that uh, Oladipo's been out for this year. They're 0-5. All their stats are worse. They're down to 45% shooting, down from like 48. They're down to 34.5% from three, which is down from like 39. It's just, they're just a worse team without them. And I think think they're still going to make the playoffs, but they really have no chance of making any noise. And it might not be exactly the same with the Lakers, but losing Lonzo Ball is going to be tough. Anytime you lose somebody that can get you double-digit points, He's averaging about 10 a year this year, along with, like, he can rebound and he can assist. He averages about five in each of those categories each right now. Like, losing that much production in all three parts of the game is, it's going to be a tough loss. And so trying to play without him and without LeBron for who knows how long still, going to be tough for the Lakers to just tread water until they can finally get healthy in the West, which is really tough. But those are definitely a couple injuries that could definitely hurt some of the uh, playoff teams this year. Yeah, that's a a good observation regarding the Lakers. Uh, not one I necessarily would have picked off the top of my head looking at the NBA. But I think, you know, overall, I, injuries happen every year. You know, this is where we really get into the next man up mentality and start looking at that. You've seen injuries really strike the, uh, the Rockets, which I would say uh, outside of, I guess, the Pacers. Um, have been hit hardest by the uh, injury bug because multiple of their starters have gotten hit with Chris Paul and Clint Capella, two of their main contributors going down. Obviously, I think we can all agree Victor Oladipo's injury is, is going to affect that playoff team the most. One that I think is a little underrated, um, I guess not talked about as much as Spencer Dwinwiddie uh, on the Nets going out for three to six weeks with the thumb surgery. And this is a guy this season who has played very well and honestly above his average he's averaging 17.2 points per game uh 37% from 3.46% from the field overall all of which are above his career averages and he's playing four more minutes a game this Brooklyn Nets team which is on a six game win streak right now going to play Boston tomorrow uh they were a team that I thought was a sneaky a sneaky dark horse in the east cuz it could have made some noise they're a tough team to play they have some solid talent on this team but Spencer Dwinwiddie, who's hit a uh, game tire to go to OT and then a game winner in, in the single game, uh, a guy who's been a great role player just and really helpful, and I guess a starter, not even a role player. So that one I think is one that I think is a little bit underrated that should be talked about a bit more with this Nets team. Anything else to add on injuries, guys? Uh, I think that we kind of hit the couple of big ones there with Oladipo going down. Um, and Lonzo Ball is an interesting one, which I hadn't really thought of, as I said. But anything else you guys would like to add? No, I think we hit pretty much all of it. I would agree. I would agree. All right. So I think I mentioned it, uh, but the Houston Rockets have been hit by the injury bug, and this has allowed Harden to go on an immense scoring streak. 
Uh, everybody's been talking about it, whether every single outlet that talks about the NBA has been mentioning James Harden and his scoring and how that's affecting his MVP run this year. And so we have a couple questions. We'll talk about this. Hit this one more time. You know, what does this streak mean uh, in your opinion? Is it is it good? Is it bad? How What do you feel about it? Is it and why is it so polarizing to the NBA community? And then does this give him basically the outright lead of MVP? Uh, Kelvin, we'll start with you, and then Stephen can follow him up. Okay, I've got a couple things to say about Harden's little run. When, he, when, when he's been taking off for these 50 points, I mean, the last six games, he's got three that went to 50, one that went to 60, um, two that got to 48. Um, and so... He's been on a ridiculous run. Obviously, you mentioned it earlier, Andrews. He, he doesn't have uh, Chris Paul. He doesn't have Capella. Um, there goes a lot of rebounds. There goes a lot of playmaking from those two guys that that Rockets team misses. So you expect Harden to kind of do this. The problem is, this was my issue with, with Russ last year. And Harden, of course, is very, you know, he's very efficient uh, and, and much more efficient than, than Russell Westbrook. But I think... The way Harden is playing right now, it's not really translating to the greatest amount of wins. And if we look at their last 10 or 12 games, um, they've, they, they squeaked by the Lakers uh, without LeBron. They lost to Philadelphia and they lost to Orlando. They've lost to Brooklyn in, in overtime. Um, they lost to Milwaukee. And so you, I'm just looking at Harden and I'm saying, okay, that's great. You can drop 50 a night. It's wonderful. But there's guys in the team that maybe are shooting at a higher percentage that are taking three shots a game. And so I think the fact that he's doing all of this unassisted too is great and all, but um, I don't think it translates to wins. And if you just look up north to California and you look at the Warriors and how they built that dynasty, Clay Thompson the other night had 44 points. All of it was assisted. And so that's why they've won championships. And that's why they're winning basketball games. And I know the Rockets are hurt. And that's the first argument that I get. But I think there's still talent on that team that still has to be used. Um, I'm not super impressed by it. And like I said, they've been very average in their last 10 games. So that's just me from a faraway picture. Steven, your thoughts on it. It's a very uh, interesting take by Calvin there. Let's uh, see what you got there, Steven. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really a fan of the streak he's on. I just I just don't like the way that he's doing it. Like, he's doing it by hitting, like, a few shots a game and then hitting a ton of foul shots on stuff that, realistically, are they all fouls? Maybe half of them, but, like, being able to get to the free throw line 25 times a game, I don't see where he's getting fouled every single time, so... Maybe the stats are a little bit – they're definitely a little bit inflated because other people are injured. He has to take on a bigger role. But eh, still, I don't – I'm not as big of a fan of the streak as, like, most people are. And it's definitely polarizing because there's people that think, like, oh, like, the rest of the world being able to see somebody that puts up 50 points and 12 assists and, like, grabs 11 rebounds. It's just going to be so great for the league. Everybody's going to be like, oh, what's this? If we see people putting up stats like this, we got to go watch the NBA. So how could it be bad? But at the same time, it's like if he's not getting the other people into the game, then they're just going to be uninterested and they're not going to play as well if they could, if they were really like getting shots and being able to handle the ball a little bit more. So I don't know. I know there's people that are fans of it, but 
I, I don't like watching that kind of basketball. And I don't think it should make him the de facto MVP. Everybody's going to say it now because it's just like what's in the moment. Um, but realistically, I'm still going to say Giannis is playing better than him and Giannis should be the MVP. And Harden's stats will come down to earth a little bit more once Chris Paul and Clint Capella really get back like onto the team and start like getting some more minutes again. Um, so I'm not going to just kind of flip to Harden as the MVP just over like the past couple of weeks. I uh, agree with that statement. I'm not going to talk too long. Uh, I don't want to echo a lot of the same things, though. I do believe that it will all go down. All of the stats will go down once he gets some players. And I agree that it's tough to watch sometimes because it is just hero basketball. And I believe the reason, as you said, Stephen, it's so polarizing is because it's the way he's doing it. He's getting a lot of iffy foul calls against him and stuff that you wouldn't see normal normal players. And by normal, I mean not star, you know, middle of the road players get called on. So that can be frustrating as a fan, just even of the sport. I think if you're a Houston fan, you obviously love it. It's great. Uh, granted, maybe they're not winning as many games as you would like with him doing it, but he's doing everything he can to get them those wins. But we'll see what happens when he gets there. I just got Kenneth Freed, who had a great uh, debut with him, with the Rockets, uh, in once CP3 is back tonight, as we kind of talked about. But it'll be interesting to see how this goes. And I agree, it does not make him the de facto MVP. Uh, it's all recency bias right now. It's what everybody's talking about, what everybody's thinking about. Uh, once this season rounds out, we will be able to look at it as a whole. Uh, but that's just my two cents. I think we pretty much hit everything on that as we can with James Harden. Can I make one more point about Harden? Yeah, go right ahead. What really took me over the edge is when they played that game against the Knicks. And after the game, after he had uh, 61, which the last two he kind of got off his steal, so I don't count those. But what really took me over the edge was when he he looks at the reporter and he goes... Yeah, I mean, this is great, uh, but my legacy is at stake here. And that got me so angry because he hasn't done anything in the postseason. They could have beaten the Warriors, and they missed 33s in a row. And it bothered me so much that he was talking about his legacy. I understand the Mecca is a place to play basketball. It's Madison Square Garden. Everybody loves to play there. But the fact that he's talking about his legacy on a Wednesday night in the middle of January when he has not come up big in the playoffs, that bothered me so much. And so I think that he thinks that he can just score as many points as he possibly can, and then everybody's just going to forgive him for everything that he's done. But, oh, man, that that took me over the edge. And he was seventh in all-star voting, so apparently not a lot of people like this thing either. Yeah, it's pretty much everybody not in Houston, I think, uh, that doesn't like it. But that's a very interesting uh, comment from you uh, regarding James Harden. But talk about legacy. We will forever talk about Carmelo Anthony, who holds the record for points scored at Madison Square Garden with 62. So, you know, there is something to be said for legacy there, no matter what. Uh, So let's move on to the next topic here uh, regarding some NBA beef between players. I think the most recent one in I've seen is Russell Westbrook and Joel Embiid. But I'm going to defer to you guys to start here. Uh, well, a couple of things to think about is, you know, is this good for the NBA? How will it affect the All-Star game, if at all? And then if you have any personal favorites or ones you guys like that when we see matchups go against each other, uh, what your favorite would be. So, uh, Steven, we will start with you, and Calvin could follow you up. Okay. Personally, I love NBA beef. It's It's one of the best things to watch. I know teams don't, like, actually fight anymore, but just – 
anything that's not people just being friends with each other on other teams is fun. Like knowing that you're going to have games where it's going to be chippy and there's going to be animosity. It it just hypes up the game so much more. And it, it's something that you want to watch. And I think, I think it, it'll affect the all-star game more if Embiid and Westbrook are on the same team and they try to put them on the floor at the same time. Cause if Westbrook's got the ball and he, you got MB wide open underneath, is he going to throw it to him? Is he going to kind of like whip it at him? Or is he going to just look anywhere else and throw it, throw a pass that could be a much worse pass to somebody else, just specifically not to give it to MB. I think that could be hilarious. It could be really funny to watch. And I think that's also my favorite current beef. I got some other ones that are, like, they could be kind of funny, but they're just not as well-known names. Like, like Derek Favors and uh, Mason Plumley in that Denver-Utah game. I, that was funny, and they play in the same division, so they're going to see each other a lot. I just don't know if it's got, like, the same kind of, like, star power that you're going to get when Westbrook and Embiid play each other. But, again, anytime I can see people that I know legitimately hate each other, it's it just makes basketball more fun to watch. That's that's pretty much it. All right, Calvin, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's pretty good for the league to a certain extent. Um, I think watching Embiid and Westbrook go at it's pretty fun, uh, just because you can be there and yell and scream and you know choose a side. I think one of the things that's also helped this thing grow is social media because Embiid is just awesome on Twitter. I don't know if you guys follow him or not. Um, so now social media has like blown this thing up so they can take shots at each other and they're not even playing. And so that, that helps also with, with the, the spread of, you know, players arguing, getting mad at each other, just being petty. Um, I think it's kind of good for the game. Um, I think it's been good now since there's been a bunch of injuries and stuff. So you can kind of take your mind off of that stuff. Houston's been injured and then LeBron's out. And so those are, those are teams and people that, that bring a lot of attention. And so I think it's good. Um, will it affect the All-Star game? Um, I'd like to see them on different teams. I think it'd be fun to see them go at it. Um, uh, that would be that would be interesting. Um, we kind of saw in the All-Star game, you know, when, when Russ and, uh, and KD finally got back together and Russ threw him an alley-oop in the All-Star game. Um, I think that was nice and dandy, but I would have liked to see them on different teams so they could go at it for a while. And so... Um, that's that's really my favorite one. I love Embiid. I think he's awesome. He's he, he's got his own personality, his own way of doing things. Um, but uh, I think that's that would be my favorite favorite little beef or argument, I guess you could say, uh, there uh, with him and Westbrook. So I think the All Star Games gonna be fun. I really hope they end up on different teams though. So LeBron and Giannis, do your thing. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the most recent one. Uh, that's why you know it probably gets talked about the most. I think overall it it is good for the NBA. It provides drama, provides storylines. It, it gets people talking about it that aren't maybe wouldn't normally watch a NBA at all, or even just say uh, a Sixers Thunder game if you aren't a fan of either of those teams. So uh, it's fun to watch. I, I enjoy the banter back and forth. I think Joel Embiid is pretty funny off the court when he just talks a lot of trash. It brings me back to the Kevin Garnett days of just talking smack on the court. Uh, and, yes, I agree with Calvin. I think that it will impact 
the all-star game more if they're on separate teams because they'll have to play defense against each other. And that's where this beef really started. Uh, so I think if they play on the same team, it, it's just more passing a ball to each other. They don't necessarily need to go at it, as Calvin said. So I think that if they end up being picked on different teams and are on the court at the same time, there could be a potential uh, – there's some potential for a little bit of a blow-up there, which, again, would be entertaining. It would keep me more engaged in the All-Star game when there really doesn't mean much. And there's your defense played, it seems like, uh, on the court. Uh, and I think that's my favorite one uh, right now as well. I uh, can't really think of too many others off the top of my head. Um, I think looking back, I think I liked Giannis and Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s beef when he straight up tackled him on the court uh, during a playoff game. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but overall, I think, yeah, I think I echoed a lot of what you guys said. Um, and it, it's just entertaining. It's just good for the – I think it's it's good for the NBA as long as, like, no laws are being broken. <laughs> Oh, all right. Let's move this on to a man mentioned for holding the most points scored at the Garden and Carmelo Anthony, who is currently not on an NBA roster. He was traded from the Rockets to the Bulls and then waived or cut, whatever word is the correct one. And uh, so now he's sitting waiting to get the phone call to go to a team currently being paid about $28 million dollars. 25 from the Hawks, two from the Bulls, and I think there's some cash that that the Rockets owe them. Uh, none specifically noted uh, on this internet page, anyway. Uh, so I think I'll jump. I'll get my thoughts first, and then uh, Stephen will let you follow up, and Calvin can can round out with anything he has to add. Uh, so a couple of things that we would like the listener to think about, and we'll talk about. You know, does he belong on NBA roster one? If so, what what role should he take? And then are any of our predictions for what team he will go on? and how he will affect that team. So my first couple of thoughts um, is that, yes, of course, he, I think he deserves to be on a, a NBA team. Uh, John Luer is on an NBA team right now. Uh, and if you were going to tell me that Carmelo Anthony doesn't belong on an NBA team, that's going to be very hard, I think, to convince me of that. John Luer plays 11 minutes a game and averages four points. Uh, he doesn't shoot threes, and he, he's 61% from the field, but he averages three field goals attempted and is terrible at defense. So if somebody like John Lewis can be in the league for seven years, still be on an active roster and still get minutes on a team. So does Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony should be long on a roster as well. I think that his role would be more of a role player, a 10 to 15 minute guy. I don't think he, he has the ability, at least he hasn't shown it in many years to be as, efficient of a scorer or as maybe as big of an impact as he used to be, but I still think he can be useful for a team. My prediction is he goes to a team that's making a run for a ring this year. I think the Warriors is a potential and honestly kind of one of the favorites because he doesn't need money. Uh, so if they're able to make room to give him maybe the minimum, whatever it takes to get him on the team, he'd probably take it and go for a run, get the guy a ring. Uh, otherwise, I think you could see him potentially go to Denver, a, a team that's making a run can always use a little bit more scoring help off the bench. And it would be a little bit nice redemption story for him going back to where it all started, help bring them to an NBA finals potentially. But I think we'll see him end up somewhere after the trade deadline when everything kind of settles and teams are looking to uh, find some scoring help. But I think that would be his role. Um, Steven, I'll let you go ahead and uh, either agree or disagree with me on that. I wholeheartedly actually disagree with that take just because like, I know you talked about, like, John Luer. Is he a better player than Melo? No, probably not. But he's learned to accept a role of being a guy who can just get 10 minutes a game, be an effort guy, get a couple points, maybe grab a rebound or two. 
I don't think Carmelo has ever or will ever commit to being somebody who will just be like, oh, yeah, I'll sit on the bench. I'll play like seven or eight minutes a game. Just go out there, try to play some hard minutes. Like, like in his mind, he thinks he's still one of like the really good players in the NBA who should be a starter somewhere. And teams just aren't going to give him that anymore. So unless somehow he completely changes his mentality and decides to be someone who will just be like closer to an end of the bench guy, maybe more of like a leader or like a mentor to like the young guys. Like, I don't see why a team would really want him. Like he's still going to be the guy who just wants to get shots up and just play ISO ball the same way Harden does, but he's nowhere close to what Harden is right now. Um, and I mean, maybe LeBron convinces him to come to LA or something, but anywhere he goes, I don't think it would really work out well for whatever team he would go to. I think it would more hurt anyone than it would help them. All right. All right. Calvin, your thoughts. I I will uh, defend myself uh, after you speak, Calvin. Um, I agree with you, Andrew. I think he, I think he belongs on an NBA roster. The problem is we've been talking for a long time about Melo, about he needs to be in the first, like the perfect fit. The issue is I don't think the places he's gone have been the perfect fit. Um, and I think there's a couple teams right now that could, that could use him if they can get to his head. And I think the number one issue with Melo is that he has not taken care of himself. I mean, Look at LeBron. This is like the first injury that we've seen is, you know, where LeBron's injured and they came into the league at the same time. And so you have to imagine that one guy had a different mentality when it comes to taking care of their body. And Melo obviously didn't do that. And so if he can go to a team where they can say, look, you're not the guy you used to be. And they can drill that into his head, but they can say, look, we need you here and here. I think he's useful. And I think the Lakers, uh, like Steven mentioned at the end, I think the Lakers could be a fit because I think LeBron could get to his head and say, look, dude, you're my brother. You're, you're, you're one of my best friends in the world. And I love you to death, but you are not the guy you were 10 years ago. But despite of that, we can still use you for a good 10 minutes or so, 12, 15 minutes, kind of like you said, Andrew. And if you can give us 12, 15 points a night, and you can just spread the floor because you can shoot fine. Um, but you cannot be trying to take over the game because you're just not there. And unfortunately it's kind of your own fault because you didn't take care of yourself. Do I think he belongs on a roster? Yes. The other team I would mention, um, I liked your Denver pick. I didn't think about that one at all. I think Philadelphia would be a nice place to put him as well. Just to spread the floor just a little bit. Uh, Cause Ben Simmons can't shoot. And so, that kind of clogs up the paint. You have JJ Redick, you have Carmelo. Obviously he's not starting, but if you bring him off the bench, just play him with the second team, but you have to let him know what his role is or else he cannot get in the game. If someone can do that, I think LeBron can. If someone can do that, I think he's useful on an NBA roster. I like that Sixers thought. I hadn't really even, they didn't even pop in my head at all thinking about this, but you're right. He would provide a good spark off the bench. And actually probably provide a bit more three-point threat. He's, a th- he's shooting 33% in 10 games he's played this season. Over his career, he's about 35. So that's a lot better than Ben Simmons, who's a 0% three-point shooter, as you mentioned, uh, and would pr- at least provide a nice little scoring spark there. Uh, Steven, to your point, I think you're right. He does need to figure out his role and understand that he's not you know, a 30-minute player anymore. 
but people like Michael Beasley, I think, kind of fell into his role pretty well, actually. He's a great scoring piece off the bench for the Lakers. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins even kind of figured it out. He's like, I'll take less money, play less minutes, and go Golden State, make a run. So I think given, as Kevin said, given the right opportunity and the right team and people around him, I think he could figure it out. I would actually like to see him figure it out. I think he, he he's a good He's a good player, and you don't want to see him end his career like this. Uh, get him back in the NBA. Get him with the right people. And I think you could really see him shine in that 10- to 11-minute uh, role. Uh, at 34, I think that's what he'd be good at. And if Vince Carter is still in the league, still scoring buckets every once in a while here and there, I think Carmelo could still be doing it too if, as Calvin said, he learns to take care of himself. But I don't know, Stephen, how you don't think he deserves to be on a team. I mean, I don't know. With that Sixers pick, it's like how many people do you want to just blow up that team? It's like Carmelo's never Carmelo's never been anyone that necessarily helped out the young guys. There was like a good influence in the locker room. If you want to mix in Carmelo and Jimmy Butler with two young guys in Embiid and Simmons who – can like you can kind of get in their head a little bit, and then with Markel Fultz, if you think those two guys are going to be the guys that help Markel Fultz ever become anywhere close to a decent player, I think the Sixers might be blowing up their team if they try to sign Carmelo. But I don't know. Maybe it's just I was never a fan of Melo, so I don't think that the later he's gotten and just the less he's played, like the better he'll just be randomly off the bench, but. I don't know. It's just like a, just like a fundamental kind of, I I don't, I don't trust it. So I wouldn't want to see a good team go hurt their chances with something that's hasn't been proven in the role you're going to give them. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, that actually is a good, that's a good, uh, a good point about chemistry and how that would work on the Sixers. Uh, Taking it back to NBA beefs though, we didn't even mention probably one of the best ones this season. And that's Jimmy Butler versus the entire Timberwolves organization. Uh, That's, that was pretty good stuff. (laughs) It was, it was interesting for like a month. They couldn't figure anything out. (laughs) They couldn't do anything right. Uh, Top to bottom. But uh, so I think we'll see uh, Melo on a team and we'll probably be talking about him again in a couple of weeks here after the trade deadline passes. Uh, we see what team he goes to. All right. So uh, last couple of segments here. Uh, let's start it out with game of the week. You know, we're going to give you our, our game we're looking forward to most this week. Uh, Calvin, we'll go to you and Steven and then me. Um, I like the game uh, on Tuesday. It's, uh, it's, it's on TNT. It's the 76ers at the Lakers, ironically talking about the 76ers. Um, I think, uh, I think that game's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully I know LeBron is ruled out for Sunday. I know he's practiced, um, but maybe if LeBron comes back on Tuesday night, then we finally get a good, a really good game going on, uh, with LeBron against, you know, against the, the big three over there in, in Philly. And so I think that game will be a lot of fun. I think the Lakers really need to start thinking about winning games, depending on how long, uh, LeBron's going to be out, but if he comes back, I think that game on Tuesday uh, will be a lot of fun to watch. Solid pick. Steven, what are you looking forward to? Uh, this is definitely more of like a real, like a, a whole NBA fan kind of pick, but uh, I'm going to go with Brooklyn at Boston on Monday night. Boston came off, is coming off a tough loss to the Warriors, a game that they were in pretty much until the last second and Brooklyn's won six, seven in a row. 
it's time to see if Brooklyn can take Indiana's place in the top four or five in the East, or if Boston can finally start beating those teams they need to beat to move up into like solidly having home court in the playoffs. So it's a big game, at least on the East Coast where I am. I don't know if anybody noticed, but Brooklyn's 20 and five over the last 25. Just pointing that out there. Yeah, they are on a six game win streak right now. Uh, I tried to mention it a little bit talking about injuries and Spencer Dormady going down, but they are, they're a sleeper team and this coming up in this playoffs that they can get him back and be healthy. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is showing to be a potential leader out there. Uh, my pick though, for game of the week, a bit biased, but it is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Toronto Raptors. Uh, final meeting of these two Eastern conference powerhouses in Canada, uh, it's for the tiebreaker right now. Uh, the Bucks lead two to one in matchups this season. So if we can get this, get the tiebreaker over them going out the rest of the season, it would be nice to to have that in our back pocket if we need it. Um, not only that, but it's just going to be two highly competitive teams going in, going after it. So I'm looking forward to that one on Thursday. Uh, I think everybody else should be too. But I think great picks. Everybody loves some good NBA basketball. Uh, another topic or another segment. Let's go on to. Um, our uh, producer and every once in a while guest, Alex, coming up with the solid creative uh, headline here, Know Your Role. And uh, we're going to give a, a role player here that uh, maybe hasn't gotten a lot of attention. Um, it can't be on one of our favorite teams. And then uh, we'll talk about why we picked him, give you some stats. So I'm interested to see what you guys picked. Uh, Steven, we'll go with you, Kelvin, and then I will give my last. Uh, let's see, my role player who really knows his role in the NBA right now is Trey Lyles. He's another guy who only averages about 18, 19 minutes a game. He averages close to double-digit points a game. He's at 9.3 right now, and he gets a solid four-and-a-half rebounds a game along with just over an assist a game. But uh, he's just a really good, solid guy. You know, anytime you put him in, he's going he's gonna to produce. And he's really been helping out one of the uh, one of the better teams in the West this year. Okay, real quick, we I actually don't know who team he plays on. So, Calvin, uh, we should guess and say who Trey Lyles plays for. I off the top of my head can't think of it, but I'll get you take first guess, and then I'll see if I can come up with a, a stab at it here. Um, Trey Lyles plays for Denver. Did you Google that? I did not. I mm, I thought okay. I thought the Pacers at first, but then I thought that was that's Miles Turner, <laughs> and I got those two confused. Oh, he, okay, fair enough. Stephen did give away the Western Conference, so that at least gave me some help. Uh, shoot, Denver was actually my thought too. I will not pick them for the sake of switching it up. I'm gonna go Trailblazers because they could use some scoring help outside of Damon CJ. Uh, he is on the Denver Nuggets now. I'm pretty nice. sure he was on the Jazz before this. So, yeah, he was. That, that was the that. team I was thinking of. Yep. Yep. I was completely wrong. So, not a good look for, <laughs> for me. That's all right. Uh, Calvin, uh, who knows their role in your opinion? Okay. Um, I am going to go with um, a guy by the name of Joe Harris. He's playing 29 minutes per game. He's averaging 13 points, four rebounds, and two and a half assists. His field goal percentage is almost 50%. He's, his uh, three-point percentage is almost 47%. He's 83% from the free throw line. He has found his role, and uh, he has started to to play very well for a team um, 
for a team that is rising. And I will, I guess I'll give you him. We've talked about this team in the last 40 or so minutes. Um, he is second in three point percentage behind Steph Curry. So who does he play for? All right, Steven, give her a guess. All right. I remember this because I remember the tweet about how he didn't make the three point contest this year, even though he's one of the best three point shooters in the league. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Uh, only because I looked at the roster earlier. Yep. Yep. That is correct. Uh, can we talk about how Brooke Lopez is getting snubbed from the three point contest as well? Come on. Gosh. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so mine is, I think it's a pretty easy guess. Uh, I feel like most people would know where he plays for, but we'll see. Uh, so I picked Malik Monk, uh, his second year in the NBA. He is averaging. Everything, everything is up in his averages. His offensive and defensive rating are 107.8 and 109.2, respectively, on the same usage, which I think is crazy. It's jumped up from 99.8 offensive and 111.2 defensive. So his defensive is actually down a little bit. But his offensive has gotten really good. He's really found his role on the team he plays for. Um, he is averaging 10 points per game in this season uh, and really helping to provide a spark off the bench. So what team does Malik Monk play for? Just go ahead and guess, whoever, whoever. Steven, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Malik Monk plays for the Charlotte Hornets. Yep, that was my guess as well. Yes, you are correct. Uh, I felt like a, a fairly easy guess, but I think he has proven to really come in, kind of come into his own this season and uh, providing a, a good spark for that team. Uh all right, so uh, we will finish off this podcast here with the last segment, our weekly top five teams in the NBA uh, after the game's played. Calvin, uh, I'll throw this to you. It might be a little off the cuff, but who are your top five teams in the NBA this week? Um, I think the Milwaukee Bucks right now are the best team in the league. Um, I think Giannis has done an unbelievable job. I'm so glad you're back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I got you. Anytime, anytime to plug the Bucks, I got you. Um, they uh they're doing they're doing pretty good. Um they're almost averaging 118 points a game and that's that's pretty darn good. Um I like their their home record. I think they're the best team right now. After that, I probably go uh Golden State Warriors because it just seems that DeMarcus Cousins now has turned that team into just a video game type of thing that you would just create when you want to kill your little brother, you just get the best players in the world and put them on the same team. And so that to me is the the, the Warriors. I don't have to say anything about them because they're the Warriors. Um, uh, after that, I'd have the Raptors at three. Um, I think Kawhi and uh, I think they're figuring things out with Kawhi. I don't think he's going to stay there, but hey, they can have him for a year. Um, at four, I got the Nuggets. And then to round out at five, I've got the Thunder. Paul George is putting his name into the MVP conversation. It's about time. I like him. I've always liked him. And I think he's, uh, that team is now his and, uh, sorry, Westbrook, but that team is now, uh, Paul George's. So those are my five Milwaukee, uh, the Warriors, Toronto, uh, the Nuggets and the Thunder. All right. All right. I like it. Um, I'll go next and Steven, you can finish it off. So my number one is the Warriors. Same reasons that you said, I think they're playing insane and I think are the number one team in the NBA right now. Number two uh, is Milwaukee Bucks. They have the, I would say, favorite in MVP consideration in Giannis. They're playing amazing, great comeback victory against the Charlotte Hornets the other night. Uh, they did lose to the Thunder, 
tonight, but uh, we'll get out, as you said, and I will get into them in a minute as well. Uh, but overall, best record in the NBA right now. Uh, number three is Toronto. I think the Raptors play really well together. Kawhi has found his spot on that team pretty quickly. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised by that, honestly, but they've had some great guys uh, come into their own as well, and Siakam uh, and some other role players that rounded out that team. The Thunder are uh, my fourth team. They are playing insane top three defense in the NBA right now. Paul George, is, he went off tonight against Milwaukee um, and has been this whole season playing very well. And then fifth is Denver. I think they've fallen a bit in you know the quote-unquote power rankings uh, but I think that they're still in the conversation to make a run win in the Western Conference playoffs just because of Jokic uh, and some other players on that team that are just playing really well. Uh, Steven, I don't even want to know where you put the Celtics, but let's see. Uh, my power rankings right now, I got, of course, the Warriors number one. Anytime you're on a 10-game win streak, you're going to be number one. So with their five All-Stars winning 10 games in a row, I mean, who else is going to go there really? Um, I'll I'll give the Bucks number two right now. I guess it's and I guess they're first in the East and they've won eight out of the last ten. So sure, they're up there a little bit. God, you act like it hurts you to say that. Come on, man. Uh, number three, I'm gonna have Boston because they won five in a row and then they almost probably should have beat Golden State with their five all-stars would have been the first team to do that if they pulled it off. So they're, they're definitely finding their groove. They got so many players that can just go off on any night that they can beat anyone. So I got them number three, number four right now, I'm going to put the Brooklyn Nets there. Uh, Six game win streak, eight and two in their last 10 playing really well against everyone. If you're just going off teams you don't want to play right now, I don't want to see the Brooklyn Nets at this point in the NBA season. And then number five, I'm going to put the Nuggets. They've started to slip just a little bit. Not terribly. They're still two and a half games above the Thunder. They've still won seven out of their last ten. They're still one of the top two teams in the West, but they're just not like they're not dominating teams at home as much as they were early in the season. So it's kind of a, they're starting to slip in the rankings just a little bit. Okay. No, I think that's, I think that's fair. Uh, I just have a quick question before we finish this podcast for you guys. Uh, and I noticed this on sports when I was watching this morning. Uh, after that, as you mentioned, Stephen, that Boston Warriors game, I, everybody's been saying, or it's been popping up the Oh, NBA finals uh, preview. I felt like that's a little bit premature because the Boston Celtics, yeah, they're playing better, but they're still fifth in the East. And I think the East is the way more competitive when it comes to playoff teams than the Western conferences. So I felt like that was a little premature. Maybe I'm just biased, but what do you guys think about that? I felt like maybe that should not be being said yet. I don't think so. Not at all. I think what we've noticed with the Celtics is that just because they have like all of that talent or whatever, I think we're just used to the fact and like saying that they're just going to blow by everybody in the playoffs. Like, I don't, and I don't know how that is really supposed to happen. Like I cannot see them sweeping any of those three teams. I guess they're, I don't know. I, they're not sweeping the bucks. They're not sweeping the Raptors. And so I think we've just, everybody's just okay with saying that they're just going to blow through the playoffs. Um, but those top two teams and even the Sixers, if they want to play basketball, they're going to give them a run for their money. So I don't know if it's the media. I don't know if it's just a lot of people in Boston, but 
Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely premature. They're fifth in their conference right now. When they're first or second, then we can talk. Um, but I don't think the playoffs are going to be a piece of cake for them. Mm-hmm. I agree, Steven. You uh, you like the Boston Celtics, so I'm not a, I'm not even a Celtics fan. I'm a I'm a Chicago fan, so I shouldn't. I've never really even liked the Celtics that much to begin with. But I don't I don't think it's that premature. It's like I watched them play the Raptors. They weren't even really like the Celtics weren't even playing that good of a game, and they beat the Raptors in what it didn't seem like it was that tough for them. It's like they weren't even really ready to get up for that game, and they still won. It like the Sixers. We watched them play the Sixers last year in the playoffs. I don't see where anything's going to change outside of Jimmy Butler if he's still even on the team in the playoffs. But like Brad Stevens is just such a good coach that when his players aren't playing well in the playoffs, he'll find a way to just work strategy to like out strategize almost any of the other coaches in the East. Like whoever the Raptors coach is this year will have no idea what to do when Brad Stevens just does something completely different from what he did in the regular season. So I don't see where they I outside of maybe the Bucks, which would be hopefully in the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't see where there's another team that'll match them, like player for player. Like across across the court. All right. All right. Can I make a hot take before we end this episode? Yeah, go right ahead. I, I'm just going to say it just like this, and, and I'll defend myself later, but I think they're better without Kyrie Irving. Ah, ha-ha. Oh, not this take again. Oh, my God. That's just me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think they're better without Kyrie. Yeah. I think, that- Brad Stevens, I think Brad Stevens can open up his playbook more without Kyrie, but that's just me. Oh man, that's great. We didn't even talk about that before we started recording. That was off the cuff. Calvin just given <laughs> agreeing with my take. Um, okay. So yeah, so that was uh, a great episode guys. Uh, I'll give you a chance to plug before I round it out. So Steven, where can people find you on Twitter and the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at breakdown, Steven, that's at B R K D W N S T E V E N for all your basketball, college basketball, Chicago sports tweets. That's where I'll be. Nice. Calvin. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at K Del Valle 28 Del. That's K D E L V A L L E. The number 28 and then D E L at the end. Um, yeah. Come yell at me. All the Boston fans that just heard at come yell at me on Twitter. There you go. Uh, so you can find me at Jakubitz. That's at J-A-K-U-B-I-C-Z. Uh, yell at me about that as well. Yell at Kelvin and I. I think we would love to defend that take about Kyrie and the Boston Celtics. But what you really should do is go to thebreakdownsports.com, check out some of our content, dive into our NBA articles, and follow our podcast. We are on every single platform that you could possibly be on, uh, you know, Follow the breakdown sports on Twitter at the BRK DWN sports, uh, sports, esports, gambling. You down? Uh, so go check out that. And then, hey, like we said, if you're going to put some money on some NBA basketball games this week, go to MindBookie, utilize our promo code breakdown. That's BRK DWN. And then you're going to get a 50% bonus when you deposit a minimum of $100. So if you're just going to go there, at least deposit 100 bucks, get an extra 50, throw it down on some games, even some of the ones that we are looking forward to the most this week. Those are going to be some tightly contested games and hopefully very fun to watch. It's even more fun when you have some money riding on it. So that's right. Go to my bookie, sign up, 
deposit a minimum of $100 to utilize that 50% bonus utilizing promo code BREAKDOWN, B-R-K-D-W-N. Uh, as I said, go to thebreakdownsports.com. Uh, check out all of our content, comment on it, let us know what you think, and follow us on Twitter uh, as we all kind of gave it away. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, follow and subscribe and leave a review on the podcast if you like it, please. Thank you. Cheers.